You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so tonight, Be'ezer Sashem, after a little bit of a hiatus, we're going to be continuing our series of shirim on the inner world of recovering. And tonight's shir really theoretically should have been the second half of the previous year. Each moment is enough. But things just turned out the way that this is going to be a separate shir. And Be'ezer Sashem, because there's been some time in between, we'll make sure to kind of bring ourselves back to the previous year as well to highlight the specific emphasis that we're trying to make tonight. What we spoke about last week or in the previous year was that when it comes to the process of tshuva, when it comes to an individual being osek in recovery, making the decision, the hachlata, to move their lives in a different direction, to return, to turn back around, to stop the centrifugal force which drives their lives down a particular road and to actually place the feet sturdily in the ground, pivot through an act of Bechiro, which is miraculous in and of itself, and to turn around and say, I would like to go in another direction. When a person is able to be Moser Nefesh, to make that decision, to make that choice, that Nekudas HaBechira, that dizzying responsibility of choosing how I would like my life to go, the first thing that we have to keep in mind is that it is not about the goal, but about the process. And very often when a person looks at their path towards tshuva, looks at their path towards recovering as a goal-oriented process, so then they lose sight of the process itself because the process is simply a means to the end. And if there was a way to grab hold of the end devoid of the means, then we would run to that opportunity. But what the panemius of the process of recovering actually teaches us is that if we want to find any presence between ourselves and HaKadosh Baruch Hu on the path towards tshuva, on the path towards returning and extricating ourselves from whatever behavior, whatever destructive experience that we're stuck in, we have to learn how to value the moment itself. We have to learn the secret of Hayom in Bekolo Tishma'u, that all a person is called to do is encounter the moment head on, to disconnect themselves from the past, which is the birthplace of sadness and forlornness over our past failures and our repetitive attempts to change without the ability to actually change. And we have to disconnect ourselves from the future, which is the birthplace of anticipatory anxiety over that which is to come and the anxious mind projects into the future something that is overwhelming, something that is too much to handle. And so either way you slice it, by straddling either the past or the future, we find ourselves caught up in the dizzying nature of anxiety, which prevents any actual change. 
And so we spoke about the need to dive deeply and to melt into the moment itself, which contains all of reality inside of it. As Rabbi Nachman responded to Rabbi Nassim when he was asked, what is the most specific and special spiritual activity that you engage in? And Rabbi Nachman answered famously, whatever I am doing at this moment, that each moment is enough. And the fact that I fall a moment after this moment or that I fell the previous moment says absolutely nothing about this moment in front of me. And this was the explanation of the words of Chazal that that there is no concept of now in the Torah other than the reference to tshuva. Because when a person takes upon themselves that deep decision to affirm their powerlessness in the face of whatever behavior they're stuck in and to redirect their lives, to take that superhuman act and turn forwards towards where we want to go to, to be idealistic for a moment about ourselves, to hope against hope that we can be more than we were in the previous moment in spite of every other moment's failure, we have to center ourselves in the rega in front of us in that moment. But what also needs to be understood, which we did not speak about, is that while on the one hand, a person on the path of tshuva, a person in the path of inner recovering, of moving away from whatever it is that holds us down in life, of extricating ourselves and unfeathering ourselves from the confines of whatever kept us stuck, that yes, it's important to see each moment as a standalone universe and to recognize that each moment bears the mark of eternity within it in line with what our Mikubalim, in particular, the Rashash and the Torah Chacham teach us is that the Prat and the Klal are always equal to one another, that the particular and the whole are really the same, and that when a person dives deeply into the quantum reality of each and every particular, each and every second in one's life, what one comes to find is the entirety of history, the beginning, the middle, and the end, that which was, that which is, and that which will be which means that every moment, like the Arizal tells us, is a different permutation of Hashem's name. That name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that four-letter name of yud ke vav ke, which the Gra and the Maportion point out, represents the triparate breakdown of temporal existence, the past, that which was, Mashahaya, the present, that which is, Mashahove, and the future, that which will be after things revert back to that which was when a person dives deep enough into the moment itself and splits it open and dives deeper and deeper into the infinite reservoirs that exist within each moment, a person comes to taste reality. So on the one hand, we have to believe that wherever I am is exactly where I need to be and whatever I am doing is enough and that there's there's enough godliness and presence in each moment for me to be satisfied in my process and for me to free myself from the fear of missing out. Yet on the other hand, we also have to be very well aware of the fact that if a person focuses too much on the full presence of each and every moment, if a person allows themselves to rest their laurels on that which is in front of them at that moment, a person can, God forbid, fall into the deepest trap of them all. And the deepest trap of it all is the fact that because I have already begun the process of fixing myself, I'm already fixed. The notion that anybody on the path towards any form of recovery needs to be remarkably cautious about is stumbling over the notion that that my heart is purified, that I'm good to go. I have done enough already simply because I moved forward in the previous moment, simply because I moved forward last week or the month before or the year before, 
A person can, lo aleinu, God forbid, come to a sense within themselves that they have accomplished what they needed to accomplish. That because I have moved forward and extricated myself ever so slightly out of the stuckness that I found myself in, and I made a healthy decision and I proved to myself that I was able to let go of those old behaviors, to let go of something for a day or two. A person's mind is very apt to relapse into the notion that because I proved to myself that I can be okay for one day, then I'm good to go and I don't have to worry anymore. This is tantamount to the notion of feeling that a person has reached a level of perfection in Avodah Hashem. And yes, on the one hand, we do have to hold in mind what we spoke about the previous year, which is that each moment is enough. But the moment that we forget that the moment previously is an old existence and now I stand in front of a new opportunity is the moment that we're no longer doing tshuva properly. The moment that I feel that because of what I did yesterday, I am okay for today and I don't have to put the effort in for today is the moment that I'm failing to understand the concept of Jewish time. Jewish time teaches us that each and every moment is a reality, but in relationship to the next moment, that previous moment is null and void. It makes absolutely no difference to me anymore. And what I did yesterday and the day before that happened and it's rooted in whatever place it's rooted in. And it says absolutely nothing about my necessity to place all of the ferocity and intensity of psychological and internal towards the goal of that which stands in front of me right now. But before we go into this secondary element that we have to hold in mind, the notion that in spite of the fact that each and every moment is perfect, at the same moment, the next moment in front of me, I need to see myself as if I haven't even begun the process of tshuva. I want to try and read a very short dream, a dream that Rabbi Nachman had, and a dream that Rabbi Nachman told over to Rabbi Nassan. And Rabbi Nassan himself, when describing this dream that Rabbi Nachman had, said, if there's a person who comes along in history and tries to understand this dream, ashreichem, praiseworthy is them. Now, God forbid to claim that we are that person who's going to come along and try and understand this dream, but Baruch Hashem, we live in a generation where the hashba and the Torah of the tzaddikim is so ever-flowing and so available for each and every one of us, we have the rishus to open up our mouths and to pretend that we have some sort of shaykh as to what the true tzaddikim were saying. Like the Ramchal and the other tzaddikim tell us about the generation of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, then the generation of Rabbi Shimon, in particular in Eretz Yisrael, when the Tanayim were walking around the northern hills at night, disclosing worlds of secrets, creating openings and drawing down the air of Gan Eden into the air of human consciousness, when one would meet the other on the road, they would say to each other, Pasach open up your mouth and allow your words to illuminate the world. And the Ramchal and our Tzadikim tell us that that was only because Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai lived in that generation. And in that generation, everybody had the Kayach. And we also live close enough to Geula, we live close enough to the Or of Rabbi Nachman, to the Or of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, to the Or of the Arizal, to the Or of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, to the Or of Moshe Rabbeinu, through the particular tzaddikim in our generation, we have the right nowadays to open up our mouths and speak. And Be'emes, the entire shir tonight and the entire class on this notion of the world of recovering is going to be an attempt to understand what Rabbi Nachman meant in this dream or what Hashem, so to speak, what HaKadosh Baruch Hu meant to convey to the tzaddik through this chalom, the chalom adaberbo, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu speaks to the Jewish people through dreams, through translation, always already broken in the shards of misunderstanding with the need of returning back to the original truth 
by way of translation, by way of secondary understanding, which comes to reveal that in truth, our mistaken blundering around in the darkness, because we no longer understand things on a punim to punim level, is in truth the deepest Torah imaginable. And had things been explained to us in a clarified way, then we would have lost out on the need to dig down deep into the confusion to build truth once again out of the vestiges and the broken, shattered tablets that broke when truth died. And so it's specifically in the darkness of translation and the darkness of the dream, in particular the dream of the tzaddik, that we have the ability to try and understand a little bit. And this is a rough translation of the dream, which is referred to as the endless forest. In my dream, says Rabbi Nachman, I awoke in a forest and the forest was endless. I wanted to return. One of you came to me and said, this forest is so long, it is infinite. All of the vessels in the world are made from this forest. He showed me a way out of the forest, which brought me to a river. I wanted to reach the end of it. One of you came to me and said, this river is endless. Everyone in the world drinks from the waters of this river. Then he showed me a way to reach the end of the river. After that, I came to a mill built on the side of the river. And one of you came to me and said, this mill grinds the grain for everybody in the world. Near the mill, I saw a blacksmith working. One of you came to me and said, this blacksmith makes tools for the entire world. And then I woke up, the hammering of the blacksmith still echoing in my ears. And Rabbi Nachman told this dream and he said, the world tells a story but I have lived a story. On a certain level, what Rabbi Nachman seems to be describing is that in his dream, everything was endless. The forest was endless, the river was endless. Everything was infinite. Everything stretched from the beginning far beyond the end. Yet nevertheless, it's this very endlessness, it's this very infinitude, this very inability to measure the space or the elongation of the experience that feeds into each and every experience. It's the endlessness of the forest from which all practical trees come from. It's the endlessness of the river through which each and every person drinks. It's the endlessness of the mill through which every vessel is created. And what we're going to talk about tonight is this confrontation between the endlessness of time and the infinitude which animates each and every one of our experiences Yet at the same point, this infinitude, this endlessness, this inability to ever say that someone has reached the completion is the very site in which we actually taste the sense of accomplishment. And Be'ezra Sashem, we're going to come back to the story at the end of this year. The notion that when a person moves forward in their lives, the notion that when a person takes a step forward on the path towards inner recovery, makes the decision to extricate themselves and disconnect themselves, from whatever it is that they find themselves stuck in. Like we said, each and every day is an entire universe. And when I reach the end of that day and I'm able to say today was a good day, today I refrained from whatever behavior I engaged in, today I kept myself away from any self-destructive behavior, a person has to look at that day as if it's an ultimate perfection. Yet at the very same moment, paradoxically, a person has to understand very deeply that no matter how high along the rung of the ladder of recovering that I have grown, no matter how far along the path of self-refinement that I have engaged in, my first awareness in the morning, my first awareness when I start out on the path of a new day, of a new moment, of a new time unit of awareness, 
needs to be the fact that I have not even begun the process of growth yet. But again, this very notion of beginningness, this notion that I have yet to start the process of tshuva is not meant to be a negation of the previous day or the previous moment's tshuva, but rather we have to recognize that each and every moment is a world unto itself. And when I accomplish what I need to accomplish, when I clarify for myself what I need to clarify, when I let go of what I need to let go of, and I can say truly that I'm on the path of recovering, I have reached the apex. I put my head down on the pillow and I say, Hashem, I am giving myself over to you perchance to dream. At the very same moment, the person has to come to recognize that the ceiling of today is the floor of tomorrow. That the growth of today the incremental growth, the positive actions that I took for myself today lead me to the next level wherein I have to see myself as if I am just beginning again. Because the moment that I feel that I have reached the apex, the moment that I feel I have done enough to rectify myself, the moment I feel that I have been clear enough with my nefesh Bahamas, with my animalistic desires that I don't want to go back to that behavior anymore, to go back to that mindset, to go back to that faulty way of thinking or that cognitive distortion, the moment that I think that it's a one fell swoop and I've taken care of it forever is the moment that I'm trapped in the deepest elements of trappedness. Each and every moment needs to be cut between a sense of accomplishment in relationship to the previous moment and a sense of not having even begun yet in relationship to the next moment. A person can never fall into the trap of feeling that they have accomplished, that they have completed the journey. Because in truth, and the deepest truth of Avodah Hashem, is that there is no goal. There is no end point at which a person can say, I have accomplished what I need to accomplish. I have reached what I need to reach. Because in truth, what we feel that we're searching for more often than not, what our human minds relate to is a notion of perfection. We've been taught so often that when a person finds themselves in a state of brokenness, when a person finds themselves in a state of negative behavior, destructive behavior, maladaptive thinking, repetitious behavior, addictive thinking, whatever it is that a person is coming to extricate themselves from, we usually tend to view life in binary oppositions. So that was bad and now I'm trying to be good. That was dark and now I'm trying to be light. That was imperfect and now I'm trying to be perfect. And we fall into the trap of Ace of Harasha who says, Yesh li Rav, I have everything, I've accomplished everything. A person has to recognize that there's no end goal in the process of the rectification of the self. That just as HaKadosh Baruch Hu is infinite, just as no matter how high we climb along the rungs of awareness of God, just as we have to always remember the deepest truth of that in truth HaKadosh Baruch Hu's perfection is always a step beyond our notion of perfectibility, and that at the end of the spiritual journey, I have to come to an awareness that I know absolutely nothing, as Rabbi Nachman taught us. So too, when it comes to the rectification of the self. Because as we know from our tzaddikim, from the shafatal, from the mikubalim, from the balatanya, that the neshama of an individual is a chilek eloi kaimi ma'al. That spark, that singularity, that yechida within the self has the same halachos to a certain degree as we relate to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And just as HaKadosh Baruch Hu is ineffable and infinitely beyond our capacity of claiming that we grasp it in its totality, 
so too with regards to the self. The self is infinite in its depths. The self has layers beyond layers beyond layers. And every step forward is simply another opportunity to reveal the capacity to move forward ever so slightly each and every day to the extent that each and every moment of my life is lived in tshuva. But the moment that I lay claim to who I am as an individual, to claiming that I have reached the perfection that I needed to reach, I'm falling into the same pitfall as claiming that I've grasped the essence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is tantamount to Avodazara. The notion of Ani HaGever, the notion of saying, I am that person who has fixed himself completely, is the same exact klipa, the same exact husk as Avodazara of claiming that God can be measured in some sort of graspable way. The self is infinite. The self is ungraspable, and therefore, whatever process which we've grown through, the next moment of awareness is the opening unto the next level. I have to live my entire life in tshuva. Yesterday was a good day. Today has absolutely nothing to do with yesterday. I have to recognize that in spite of the previous moment's perfection, I stand in front of a higher level of lack. There is a chisaron, there's a notion of imperfection that transcends and exceeds each previous moment's sense of perfection. To the extent that, yes, I can live vis-a-vis -vis yesterday as if I have perfected what I needed to perfect in the path of recovery and the path of moving forward. But at the very same moment, simultaneously, I have to realize, like we said, that the ceiling is the floor. Our tzaddikim, the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, and his Talmidim point out that this is exactly what Avram Avinu came to teach us. Avram Avinu, after fulfilling the command, the decree, to make himself tamim. It's alech lefanei biya tamim, walk in front of me and become perfect. Avram Avinu encountered a level of perfection. He encountered a level of truly rectifying himself. And theoretically, when a person is told that they're going to reach a darga of perfection, a reasonable claim would be, okay, asiti mashamutal alai, I have done what is required of me, and I don't have to move anymore. This was what Yaakov Avinu experienced when it says that Yaakov Avinu wanted to rest. Yaakov Avinu felt that he had experienced wholeness and totality. But the next moment, our tzaddikim say, right after Avram Avinu was walking in front of Hashem and experiencing a level of perfection and wholeness, it says, Yoshev Pesach HaOhel, that Avram Avinu sat in front of the tent. And the front of the tent means that he hadn't even begun the process yet. He hadn't even entered into the tent. That after all is said and done, after all levels of perceivable perfection are accomplished, the highest recognition is that I have not even begun the work of tshuva yet. The Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh says that this is what it means when we talk about reaching the Sharnun. We know Chazal tell us in whatever sense this is intelligible or meaningful to us, that in the creation of the world, God has placed 50 gates of understanding. Now, on a psychological level, what this means is that every moment that we encounter is both a locked gate as well as an open gate. So something that the Baal HaSulam, describes in profound and, and very resonant detail, that every moment that a person encounters in this world is both a man'ol, a locked gate, and also a shar, and an open gate that these 50 gates that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has placed into the world means that every moment that we encounter is both a locked experience, something bars me from accessing the next level, yet that very baredness, that very prevention that stands in front of me 
is also what propels me into the next level itself. Like Rabbi Nachman teaches us so often that the prevention itself is the catalyst which drives us through that prevention. And that the goal of Avodah Hashem is to transform the word for preventions, which is menios, into neimus, into pleasantness. It's not to evade the distraction. It's not to evade the distortion, but rather to dig deep down into the distortion to reveal that the distortion itself is the path that leads beyond the distortion. That from the forest itself comes the handle for the ax and we sweeten the bitter water with the bitter tree. The secret of recovery, which is born out of the encounter with addiction. And every moment represents a gate that is both closing us off and propelling us beyond that liminality, that space, that liminal space that is both a closing and an entrance. And Avram Avinu reaches that Shar Hanun, Avram Avinu reaches the highest gate. And that highest gate, the Shar Hanun, the highest level of understanding is the level of Yoshev B'Pesach HaOhel. That when all is said and done, when the dust has settled and I have finally climbed to the highest rung of spirituality, the recognition there is that I have not even entered in yet. I have not even begun the process because the 50th gate is just the opening of another 50 gates. And that 50th gate is an opening to another 50 gates ad infinitum. Just as God is without limit and he is endless, so too is every element of existence without limit and endless, which means that I can never lay claim to perfection. I can never lay claim to having done enough. I can never lay claim to having accomplished what I need to accomplish. That the Shahanun, that highest level of tshuva, that highest level of recovering is the recognition of the need for perpetual decision-making. That each and every moment of conscious awareness, every moment, every event in which I encounter life with attention and intention and a willingness to not give myself over to what the Chazon Ish referred to as the singular negative characteristic, which is the abandonment of life to the natural proclivity of the self. Every moment that I fight against fate in this world and I say, I will make the decision as to what happens to me is a new beginning, is a recognition that I have not even begun the service of God yet. I have not even begun the rectification of the self yet. This is possibly what it means when we see in Chazal that nun bina nivru ba'olam, that there are 50 gates of understanding that were created in the world. The kulam nisnu lemoshe rabenu chaser achas, and all of them were given over to Moshe Rabbeinu except for one of them. Now, the typical understanding of that statement in Chazal is that a person can never truly reach the fiftieth gate. A person can never claim that they have reached the level of perfection. So, yes, Hashem created fifty gates in the world, but no, even Moshe Rabbeinu was only capable of finding forty-nine gates. But when a person pays attention, to the Matbeya Halashon of Chazal, as Rehutner would refer to it, to the stamp of the language in which Chazal chose to convey this notion, what we see is that, in truth, all 50 gates were given over to Moshe Rabbeinu. Kulam nisnu Moshe. All of them were given over to Moshe, chasar achas, except for one, or one was lacking. 
instead of reading it as there are 50 gates, Moshe Rabbeinu only received 49 because he was lacking the last one, it can be understood, Bipashtus, that Moshe Rabbeinu was given over all 50 gates, except the 50th gate, the highest level of recognition was chaser achas, that I'm still lacking, that I am not perfect because no human being can ever lay claim to perfection. As we've quoted so often from the Lesha, Moshe Rabbeinu's imperfection was most certainly not because he wasn't good enough. That's why the Torah teaches us about the inherent and integral imperfection that is constitutive of the human spirit, specifically by way of Moshe Rabbeinu. Because had it been anybody other than Moshe, we would have been able to say their imperfection, their ontological imperfection, that lack that exists as the constitutive kernel of the self was a result of their inequities or their failure or their psychological destructive tendencies. But Moshe Rabbeinu, Isha Elohim, the greatest, almost perfect individual who ever lived in life, even he was incapable of reaching perfection. And as the Leshem Shabbat Vachaloma teaches us, this is not because he wasn't good enough, but rather this is the essential nature of a human being. That after all is said and done, after we have climbed the ladder towards perfection, the highest grasp that we have is that we haven't even begun yet because each and every level is growth. Each and every level is moving forward up towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This is the secret of rel relativity that our growth, our aspirations, our human development, our psychological refinement, our positive actions, our decision to be less angry, to eat less, to breathe slower, whatever it is, all that says is how I dealt with the previous moment. And that moment can be perfect and established in a static way in the past. But the end of each and every moment, when the moment ends, it gives birth to the new moment, which is the experience of dynamism, of change, of perpetual growth. This is what Rabbi Nachman means when he says that even when a person does tshuva, even when a person has fully embarked upon the path of tshuva, and they feel that they can claim that they have accomplished everything that they need to accomplish, Nevertheless, the next day they have to do tshuva on their tshuva. As Rabbi Nachman describes in the sixth teaching of Lakuti Maharan, that a person has to perpetually grab hold of the aspect of tshuva of return, for who can ever claim that their heart has been clearly purified or that their thoughts have been cleansed of all negativity? Because at the moment that a person says, Chatasi that I have failed, that I have stumbled, that I have sinned. Even that I can't say with perfection. And each and every moment I have to be oisik and tshuva. And even a person who understands and claims to themselves that they have done perfect repentance, that they have recovered completely, nevertheless, they need to repent on their repentance. They need to recover on their recovery. Because in the beginning when they recovered, in the beginning when they moved forward, they did it according to their grasp in that moment. And after that moment, through their recovery, they clearly and obviously gained a new grasp. And in relationship to their new grasp and their grasp of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the self, clearly they haven't even begun the process of growth. It turns out, says Rabbi Nachman, that according to each and every person's understanding of what they understand of HaKadosh Baruch Hu right now, they haven't even begun the process of tshuva. Again, this is not, God forbid, meant to belittle the ability of a person to say that they have accomplished things. On the one hand, we need to be able to look back on our past and look with eyes of fullness and satisfaction and say, I have done everything I needed to do. We have to look on the past through a lens of Yediyah, 
a foreknowledge and say everything that has happened in the past is exactly how it was meant to happen, including my tshuva. But vis-a-vis the future, we have to recognize that as a human being, I am always deficient. Now that deficiency is not due to human failure. In the early meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous, in the early space of recovery, there was no need for any individual to clarify what their belief system was, what their higher power, their conception of a higher power was. But ultimately, each person had to come in to acknowledge, I am not God. Whether or not God exists was not the question that they were asking themselves in the process of recovery. What they needed to affirm is that I am not perfect. That was the prerequisite for entering into the stage of recovery. It's what was referred to by the early members of those recovery groups as wholeness through limitation. That the only way to become whole, the only way to possibly taste the notion of human wholeness is to acknowledge my own most limitation. And that the ultimate goal of life is progress and not perfection. Now, progress and not perfection is not because we're incapable of reaching perfection because we're not good enough, but it's the recognition that the only possibility of tasting perfection is within progress itself. It's on the path, it's baderich. The moment I feel I have reached the destination is the moment I have deviated from the path. It's only when I am aware that I am still on the path that I am always perpetually in a state of growth. I am always perpetually in the process of becoming more and more and more, of looking at each moment as simultaneously providing two signposts. On the one hand, wholeness in relationship to the past and emptiness and brokenness and lack in relationship to the future. No matter what level I reach on the rung of spirituality, I have yet to reach the apex, and I will never reach the apex. Even the Asid Lavva, when perfection descends upon the world, will come to realize that there are gradations of perfection. Perpetually needing to do tshuva on tshuva doesn't mean that I'm as sick as I was beforehand, God forbid. A person heals and a person recovers and a person perpetually recovers. It just means that perfection can always become more perfect. And in relationship to tomorrow's perfection, today's perfection needs to be seen as deficient. That each and every moment needs to have three ways of looking at it. It needs to be whole in and of itself. It needs to be perfect in relationship to the past. And it needs to be deficient in relationship to the future. And in spite of the paradoxical notion of that, this is what our Mikubalim teach us. This is not new age psychology. The Rashash, the Taras Chacham, as our tzaddikim point out, they taught us how to look at each and every moment. That each and every moment has to be seen as full and total and nothing needs to be added in relationship to the past and empty and everything needs to be accomplished in relationship to the future. And so on the one hand, like we spoke about in the previous year, Every moment contains a wholeness within itself. Every moment contains all that it could possibly need. And each moment that I'm in recovery, each moment that I'm doing good, each moment I'm moving forward is enough and I can celebrate and I can have a simcha shlema and I can say, I have seen everything and there's nothing missing. Yet at the very same moment in the same word, simultaneously, I have to be able to say that in relationship to the future, I have yet to begin the process of Avedis Hashem. I need to do tshuva on my tshuva. And in this way, a person will live their lives perpetually in a state of tshuva. Like the students of Rav Levi, they came to Rav Levi and they said, Rebbe, teach us how to purify ourselves. And Rav Levi responded, return to God a day before you die. 
And his students responded, but Rebbe, how do we know when we're going to die? And Rav Levi said, that's exactly the point. Each and every day needs to be seen as the last day of our lives and the first day of our new lives at the very same moment. Each and every moment has to be understood as being whole and broken. This is the secret of what Rav Avram Abu Lafia, teaches in terms of the sod of Chatsi and Shalim. That each and every moment, as Rav Yitzhak Maya Morgenstern Shlita points out on this teaching from Rav Avraham each and every moment needs to be seen as if it is Shalim, it is whole in relationship to the past, and it is only half in relationship to the future. That yes, I live with my accomplishments, I celebrate my accomplishments of the past, but at the very same moment, I acknowledge that I haven't even begun the process of tshuva. This is what Rabbi Nachman means when he tells us of the blind beggar story of the youngest of the young, when he says, I am very, very old, but at the same moment, I am very young. Because I am very old in relationship to the past, I have perfected what needed to be done in the past, yet I am very young in relationship to the future that is in front of me. So on the one hand, I have to be able to say, I have recovered, I am done with that behavior. On the other hand, I have to be open to the fact that if I don't take the responsibility today, then anything can take place. There's a beautiful Misa, haunting Misa, that a student came to the Rebbe of Baruch, Rav Baruch of Mezhebush, the Rebbe of Baruch we've spoken about in the past was harsh as harsh can get. The Rebbe of Baruch was achuz in the midah of gevura. It was achuz in the midah of intensity, of strictness, of fear. The Rebbe of Baruch would yell at people coming into his office in order to be poyal yeshuos. Nobody understood what the Rebbe of Baruch was Rabbi Nachman's uncle was doing, but in the end of his life, the Rebbe of Baruch had his hand on a piece in the Zohar, which said, Is rugza de ikra baruch. There is an anger, there is a rage in the world that is referred to as blessing. And the Maisa goes that a student came to the Rebbe of Baruch, and they were banging on his door in the middle of the night, and the Rebbe of Baruch came down, and the student said to Rebbe Baruch, he said, Rebbe, I have come to the Shah Hanun, I have come to the highest level of understanding and there are unanswerable questions. I don't know what to do anymore. The abyss of heresy stands open in front of me and I'm scared. And the Rebbe of Baruch held his hand and he said, come, let us traverse the abyss together. Even by the tzaddikim, there was an acknowledgement that in spite of the fact that I have reached perfection, there are countless stories in teachings and chassidus that teach us this. The Rebbe's Torah, Rabbi Yitzhak Maya Morgenstern's Torah, is built upon this principle that no matter what perfection I feel I have accomplished, there is always infinite reservoirs of growth that I am capable of engaging in. A last teaching before we return back to the story from Rabbi Nachman is a teaching, an amazing teaching from the Pritzadik, from the Tzadik HaKohen Melablin, that I want to read inside because of how unbelievable it is. But it highlights this notion that a person needs to cultivate a dual sense of awareness and relationship to each and every moment in the process of recovering, in the process of cleaving towards wholeness and coming to recognize that the only wholeness we can ever understand is our lack of wholeness. And the truest expression of spirituality is when we recognize that perfection is not a human concept, but rather a failed idea that has trickled down and created so many symptoms in us. And that in truth, all we can try and do is to be better in the next moment than we were previously. And again, better doesn't mean 
quantifiable. It's a qualitative experience. It's not a question of doing more, doing less, but doing things with more intensity. And so Rav Tzadok is teaching us that the unique mindset of each and every Jew in each moment conveys the sense of wholeness of yesterday, but a lack in relationship to tomorrow. And in Parshas Naso, in Os Zion, in Os Vav, I'm sorry, Rav Tzadok says as follows, and this is a rough translation. And from this, it's possible to understand the depth of the novelty and the perpetual beginningness that is described as Torah Shabbat Peh, as the oral Torah, and in parentheses, which as Rav Tzadok teaches us so often, is any unconscious, conscious, or subconscious thought that a Jewish individual has. That for Rav Tzadok HaKohen Milublin, more than any other tzaddik, perhaps ever, revealed that the unconscious thoughts, the dreams, the desires, the pains, the joys of the Jewish soul is Ruach HaKodesh Mamish. There's a letter, the Nazir HaKadosh of David Kohn wrote a sefer called Kol Hanavua, which is very much entrenched within the teachings of Rav Tzadok HaKohen Milublin in terms of the inherent Ruach HaKodesh and prof prophetic nature of Jewish thoughts and demyonos. Rav Aaron Lichtenstein, Schusia Ganalenu, wrote a letter in response to Kol Hanavua. And he said, you know, Nazir HaKadosh, I, I certainly understand what you're describing here and it's mind bending, but he said, just to understand you properly, according to you, anytime a Jew opens up a Daf Gemara, they're already part and parcel of the prophetic community because every thought that the Jewish individual has is in truth a call that comes from above. As Rabbi Nachman teaches us with regards to his this, that that you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, are the one who are sending me these emotions within my heart that are telling me to search you out that even my desire to find you comes from you. And the secret of Torah Shabbat Peh is the fact that each and every thought that a Jewish person has is essentially whole in and of itself. And even though each and every person seems to be engaged in the same exact action, nevertheless, those actions are worlds apart in relationship to their inner preparation. And that in truth, everything follows the true desire of the heart. So too, each and every person's experience individually, one person will feel a certain feeling one day and the next moment it will feel totally different. And there's a difference from today till tomorrow. That in truth, the intention, the proper intention that a person has to have when encountering a positive activity is not the same from one day to another. Even if we're talking about the same exact action. And listen to what Rav Sadok says here. And this is what they say in the names of certain Sadiqim in our generation, that the entire compilation of the Kavanos and the intentions that the Arizal gave us with regards to Tefillah, the Shah Kavanos and the Priyetzchayim and the Siddur HaRashash, Himrak Meyom Echad, is only coming to explain the intentions of one day. But someone who lives with a robust soul and they give their heart over, a person has the ability of tasting something new. And now Rav Tzadok obviously adds that this doesn't mean that what the Arizal wrote was only Shayach to yesterday, but the words of the Arizal were so saturated with meaning that each and every person has the capacity of uncovering meaning in it. Coming back to Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Nachman encountered in his dream an endless forest. Rabbi Nachman encountered in his dream the endlessness of all things. 
The fact that ultimately, no matter how high along the rungs of growth I grow, it's still endless and I have never even accomplished anything. And the question can be asked then, how can a person ever find comfort in this world? And the answer is the paradox of Rabbi Nachman's dream is that while the forest is endless, it gives birth to all trees. While the river is endless, it gives birth to all drinking. While the mill is endless, it gives birth to all vessels. That a Jewish individual needs to learn how the endlessness of things, the unlimited nature of things, that Orain Sof with saturates and determines the value of each and every experience, in spite of the fact that one can never reach the end of it, nevertheless, it disseminates itself into each and every moment, providing each moment with its own most fullness. So while each and every moment feels infinite, Nevertheless, I can taste the infinite of that moment. And by acknowledging my lack of perfection, I am in truth experiencing the perfection that lies hidden in lack. And by encountering the inability and the impossibility of wholeness, I am in truth finding the wholeness that exists within impossibility itself. And Be'ezra Sashem, by being mashalev, by grafting onto one another these two ideas, a person will find themselves benefiting from both sides. From the perspective of the past, I have to look at each and every moment as whole, and I'm recovering, and I'm doing everything I need to do. Yet in relationship to the next moment, I haven't even begun the process. And in that way, we will live the words of Rabbi Nachman, which is to do tshuva on our tshuva, to recover on our recovery, and to perpetually be growing forth into the infinite recesses of what we hope to encounter, which is that shar hanun, or that secret of chaser achas, the secret that in the end of the day, we will always perpetually be lacking in relationship to the infinity of the soul and to the infinity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.